critical illness cover in the USA developed along a different path to the UK, in this week's episode I talk to Ken Smith, a pioneer in the US critical illness market. We discuss the differences in the products between the two countries, chat about how American companies market them, and debate whether the UK can learn any lessons from the US critical illness cover model. That's all right here in episode 61 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. For each episode, you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hello and welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thank you as always for tuning in and plugging me and my guests into your earphones. If you enjoy the show, please share it with at least one friend or colleague. Let's grow the audience together so that I can attract more guests to share their ideas and insights with you. Before we get to that chat with Ken Smith, I just want to tell you about a little experiment in live streaming video I was involved with last week. Previous Empath guests Martin Bamford, Pete Matthew and I used a live streaming video service called Blab to broadcast a live discussion about podcasting for financial services professionals. For those of you who haven't heard of Blab, it's a live streaming desktop and mobile app. Now you'll have heard much internet talk about Periscope and Meerkat, which are also live streaming video apps, and it's easy to get swept away with all the hype at the moment. Periscope and Meerkat work for individuals who want to showcase themselves and their products, but you can't target specific audiences with Periscope and Meerkat. Blab is different. You can schedule your broadcasts and advertise them in advance. The clever bit is that you can have up to four people live on screen, with any number of others contributing by message. So Martin, Pete and I sat in three of the screens and then invited members of the audience to join us one at a time in the spare screen for questions. The session went really well and I think Blab could be a game changer for those that adopt it. And not only can you broadcast live, Blab also sends you a copy of the audio and a copy of the video afterwards so that you can repurpose your content as a video show or a podcast. I've got some great ideas on how to use Blab, both to conduct my podcast interviews live, but also working with other early adopters to create great live shows for the financial services market. I'm really excited by the potential here. As they say, watch this space. So, Ken Smith and Critical Illness Cover, USA versus UK. Ken is Director of Health Product Sales at Assurity Life Insurance Company in Lincoln, Nebraska. He has over 35 years of insurance experience in both field and home office positions. He was one of the organizers and president of the Critical Illness Working Group in the United States and he is a past president of the National Association for Critical Illness Insurance. Ken is one of the leading experts on critical illness sales in the United States. He's author of Sales Lessons from the Masters and speaks hundreds of times each year to United States insurance agent groups. So let's 
let's get into that interview right here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. And so, Ken, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thanks, Roger. I'm excited to be here doing this today. And it's great to talk to you again, Ken. And where are we Skyping from? I am Skyping from Assurity Life Insurance Company in Lincoln, Nebraska, in the U.S. Fantastic. And Ken, we have actually known each other for probably about 15 years. We first met at a conference in Atlanta back in the year 2000. It was all about critical illness cover. And at the time, I think critical illness cover was just becoming big in the United States. And I was um, one of the speakers. In fact, I think I might even have been the chairman of that one, speaking over there about critical illness cover. And we've kept in touch over over the last 15 years, but most recently we've become sort of reacquainted on Skype. And uh, I thought it'd be really interesting to get your take upon how critical illness has developed in the United States, perhaps along a different track than it has in the United Kingdom. But before we get into that really interesting discussion, maybe tell the listeners of the Empath Podcast a little bit about yourself, where you came from, how your careers developed, where you're going, and, and basically, Ken, what makes you tick? Thanks, Roger. I've been in the insurance industry for 35 years in a number of different positions, both in sales, home office. One thing that happened in the mid-90s that changed uh, the direction. At that point in time, I was a product manager with Mutual of Omaha, and we had a cancer plan, and we had to make a decision to get in or out of the cancer market. And I happened, and this is the days before the internet was big, I happened to stumble across critical illness insurance and um, what was starting to happen around the world with, with critical illness insurance, and that totally changed my career. I spent a couple of years at Mutual of Omaha walking around, selling everyone on why we needed to develop a critical illness plan, uh, introduced it in 1999, and I was with Mutual of Omaha for 11 years. I left at the end of 2003 and joined Assurity and have been here almost 12 years now. And and what was happening was we have a challenge in the U.S. We have been so focused on product. And one of the things that I learned something from the U.K. and from you, Roger, was with critical illness insurance, when, it, when it's introduced, when it's new, you can't just push the product out there. Basically, you have to sell the advisor on the need for the product and then demonstrate how the product fits. And that's pretty much what I've been doing the last uh, uh, 15 years or so. But an interesting thing happened was about two years ago, um, I was doing a series of critical illness sales training meetings. And the meetings were focused just on selling the product, no product information. And I worked in some of the material related to sales from some of the, the, the great salespeople in the industry in the U.S. who had a, a dramatic impact on me. And as a result of that, you know, I just, I, I've shared with you the, the book, Sales Lessons from the Masters. And that kind of came about because no one in the U.S. market is talking about how do you how do you how do you really sell? I mean, I've read your book, Ken. Um, you very kindly sent me a link to it on uh, on Kindle, and uh, there's quite a lot of stuff in there that resonates. But ultimately, I think what your book shows is that it's really all about 
telling stories, isn't it? It's about painting pictures to people about what might happen to them in their lives if something goes wrong. My my approach is really simple, and my focus is, you know, I don't sell insurance. I tell I tell agents to stop selling insurance, and what our job is basically is to show the client, to show the prospect that they have a problem. The insurance happens to be the solution. You know, I use the analogy, Roger, with um, drills. In the U.S., there were 20 million quarter-inch drill bits sold last year. And I ask advisors, who wanted to, how many of those people wanted to buy a drill bit? No one wanted to buy a drill bit. Basically, what they wanted to do was solve a problem. They needed a quarter-inch hole. Yeah. And they had, to buy the, they had to buy the drill bit to solve that problem. And the same thing is true with with protection products is our clients have a have a problem and basically the the protection products solve that problem and our whole our whole objective is to help that prospect see that they have a problem indeed and thinking back now when we met in the year 2000 that would have been very soon after mutual of omaha launched its first critical illness product and i seem to remember at the time that mutual of omaha was was pretty successful in the critical illness industry it it's it'd be quite interesting just to explore some of the differences in the ways that critical illness cover has developed in the united kingdom and in the united states so if i take you back to the early days of um, the uk Critical Illness was first launched in 1986 by a company called Abbey Life, and then recently after that, Allied Dunbar. They launched products which covered, at the time, four or five critical illness conditions. And then, effectively, since 1986, we've had multiple companies launching products and then, effectively, out-competing each other year-on-year on the number of illnesses that have been added to the critical illness policy. So it was five in 1986. Nowadays, we've got 60, 70, 80 different conditions on some critical illness plans, some of which pay the full, some insured, some of which pay maybe 25%, depending upon the severity of the condition. So the product has become really complicated. So not only have we got to talk to the, the customer about the fact they need the the, uh, the solution to their problem, we actually now have to talk to them at, about a very complicated product. And that's really why it's become a, a product which is predominantly advised by financial planners and financial advisors, because you need someone who can do the work to, to understand all of these different conditions. How's it? How did it develop in the United States? Is there any anything that we can learn from the products that you have over there? We have been very fortunate. Uh, essentially, we have not been in a race for a uh, number of covered conditions. If you look at most of the products in the U.S. market, the the covered conditions have not changed since the product was was introduced. And typically, most of the critical illness products have between 7 and 12 covered conditions. There's a couple partial conditions in there, but essentially most of them pay 100%. The thing that's, that, that's really interesting in the U.S., though, is even if we had 80 conditions, I look at the claims and our claims experience, basically 85% of the claims are going to be consistently cancer heart attack and, and stroke so I would think you know with competing on on uh, on conditions that creates a whole different set of challenges than what we have here in the US 
That's really interesting, Ken, because the, the scenario that you've played back to me there is exactly the same in the United Kingdom. The majority of claims on critical illness policies are for cancer, stroke and heart attack. And yet that hasn't stopped this incessant, non-stop competition to add more and more and more. So, Ken, tell us about the market in the United United States for critical illness. What are the main drivers? It, it's been interesting. The, the drivers and the distribution has been primarily issues or, or distribution that doesn't exist in the UK. On the individual side, the majority of critical illness sales have been sold as part of individual health insurance. Right. Uh, what's happened, as we've seen over the years, the deductibles, which the client has to pay before the health insurance kicks in and then the coinsurance amounts have have increased dramatically and so that and and the commissions for those plans have have decreased pretty significantly so a number of agents package a critical illness together with a with a health insurance it provides more complete coverage for the for the client plus in addition it increases their their income so that's been the primary driver with sales has been individual health. Where most of the business has been generated has been through worksite distribution, right. which essentially the employer provides it as an additional benefit for the employee. Um, the employee has the option of purchasing voluntary plans. And one of those uh, voluntary plans um, happens to be critical illness along with life insurance. And as a way to reach the middle income market in, in the U.S., it's really a, a very, very efficient way for people to purchase uh, life and health insurance. And so the broker, the advisor, is going into companies, and how do they do it? Do they do seminars? or? Yeah, in most cases, they will do an employee meetings, and then the employee can either enroll on, online or they will have enrollers come in and sit down and meet with, with each of the employees for 10, 15 minutes. So a couple of things I've got from what you've just said there is that a lot of critical in the sales in the United States are sold alongside health insurance. So it's almost like a top-up to a health insurance policy. So you're almost like being given a catastrophe amount of money on top of the money that pays for your health care. And secondly, a lot of it's sold through the workspace. And this is completely different to the way that it works in the United Kingdom. In the UK, the majority of critical illness cover that's sold is actually sold as mortgage payment protection. So somebody takes out, if they buy a house for £200,000, they'll take out £200,000 worth of critical illness cover to pay off their mortgage if they have a heart attack, cancer, stroke, etc. Therefore, it makes the policies very expensive because the, the sum insureds that people are taking out are very high. And in the UK, we very rarely sell much through Worksite at all. Worksite marketing within the UK hasn't really become big. It's potentially going to be big in the future because we've had a lot of changes to pensions legislation. But is is that right? Are, are critical illness policies in the States relatively small in terms of some insured value? Our average um, benefit amount on a critical illness plan is around $28,000, $30,000. And what, what's really interesting is... You know, I have I have tried to promote it, uh, critical illness as mortgage protection, and and one of the approaches that I've taken has been you don't have to cover the whole mortgage with it. No. Basically, you cover 
two or five years worth of mortgage payments and you can say, hey, if you're diagnosed with cancer, would it reduce your financial stress if you know your mortgage is going to be paid for two years? Yes. Yeah, that, that's a similar approach that we, we do have in the UK because, as I say, one of the problems is that some people can't afford to take out £200,000 worth of critical illness cover. And I think it's uh, it's one of the ways that we've adapted to the increase in price of critical illness is to start selling smaller sums insured. But I quite like the way that you've associated with healthcare. I also quite like, in reality, critical illness cover should be more about a, the, the actual catastrophe that's happened to you now, giving you some financial leeway for a period of time. It doesn't have to clear all your debts. It doesn't have to sort you out forever. It just needs to sort you out in the short term. Critical illness sales in the UK have been pretty flat for about the last, um, well, nearly a decade now. And despite all the activity that I've told you about, all these adding of these critical illness conditions and, and, and some fairly high profile marketing campaigns, demand for critical illness cover hasn't really increased with the public. They're not, more of them aren't buying it. And I, and I gaze sort of longingly across the Atlantic to see these simpler products that you have over there. Do, do you think there's a way out of this for the United Kingdom? Should we perhaps start to look at simplifying the products or are we actually in a scenario we've created a almost like a catch-22 situation for ourselves? We can't not keep adding these conditions on, but actually one of the only ways that we can really make the market grow is to simplify everything. I totally agree um, with with simplifying it. You know, it goes back to what we were talking about, Roger, with 80-85% of the claims are always going to be cancer, heart attack, and stroke. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing, and the thing that, can, that, that concerns me, is when you get to 80 conditions, the product becomes so complex, and you have people who really need it, and are not purchasing it because of the complexity of the, the, the product. So I think it's, it's, it's hurting the industry. It's also hurting the, the clients the advisors are working with. One of the things, and, and this was interesting in going through, the, going through uh, writing my book, was the fact that, that I looked at all those successful producers or successful advisors, and one thing they did consistently is they took the approach that the client had a had a problem or the prospect had a client had a problem and they asked the disturbing questions to show that there was a problem and then they presented it as a solution but it was it was always very simple ben feldman i know some of the mdrt um, members in the uk have heard of him he was probably the greatest salesperson in the u.s market uh -huh. and and it was interesting because what he did he basically sold whole life plans to business owners. And what he would do would be come up with an idea and put together a package. Um, and the package was basically a bundle of whole life to solve a specific problem. Um, and one of the things that really left an impression with me was I talked to his son, Marvin, who was actually a former MDRT president. And, and Marvin said to me, what his dad would do when he um, put together a package, he would test it on the office staff, test it on his wife, but he said he would also test it on myself and my brother Richard right. And he, when we were in high school. And he always figured that if high school students were 
uh, could understand his his package, then certainly a business owner should be able to understand it. And I th- I think we've got to, we have to get back to some of those same basics in the business. I think you're right. One of the problems I suppose we have in the United Kingdom is it's become so complex, and yet there's that latent fear that if I don't recommend the complex product, then eventually somebody will claim for something that isn't covered, and then I'll get sued because I didn't recommend them the more complicated version. Now, of course, there are ways around that because you make it part of the advice that you give and you say to the customer, you can have this one that costs this with five illnesses or you can have this one here that costs that with 85. But I do think there is that latent fear that there is going to be some sort of legal fallout if you go down the simplified route. Yeah, you know, it's the the best coverage that that someone can have is if they have cancer, it's better that they have a critical illness plan than didn't have have anything because they were bewildered with all the 80, 80 different conditions. One of the things I was thinking about just as we were talking before was when we met way back in 2000, we were at this critical illness conference and uh, I played a little game at that critical illness conference which was uh, which was called the stroke balloon and it would take far too long to explain on the podcast what that actually meant and in reality I'd need to do it on video so that people would understand it but it was quite theatrical and and you've written a book which is all about telling stories and getting great ideas across to customers maybe share with us Ken what would be one of the the best stories that you have for convincing people to buy critical illness cover, we've had a couple. I've had I've been involved in a couple different claims that have really left an impression with me. One of them was an agent with Mutual of Omaha. His father happened to be a, a Hall of Fame baseball pitcher, and uh, his son was an agent with Mutual of Omaha. We did the we did the introduction meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina. I can still remember that. And I, I talked with him afterwards, and he bought a small critical illness plan on himself. Okay. Um, he was in the home office about nine months later. I did another presentation, and he increased his, his coverage at that point in time. Now, Jack at this point was 33 years old. He was 6'8", 230 pounds. He played basketball three times a week. Just a short while after he increased his coverage, he woke up one Saturday morning, couldn't get out of bed. Turned out that he had cancer. Jack went through the cancer treatment. Cancer was in remission. And I remember talking with with him about what kind of a difference the critical illness made for him. He said, my wife Judy is a stay-at-home mom. We have two small children and, and we're in the house of her dreams. He said, Without the critical illness plan, Judy would have been working, the kids would have been in daycare, which we didn't want, and we would have probably been living in an apartment. The critical illness benefit enabled him and the family to stay together in their home, and Judy did not have to work. Now, Jack lived another two years after that. The cancer came back, and he passed away. And I remember talking with his father, um, after Jack passed away, we did a couple presentations together. And I said, Gaylord, as a father, what kind of a difference did it make for you? He said, it gave Jack a dignity. It gave him a dignity that he took care of his family 
when they needed it the most. And I'm getting quite emotional just listening to you tell this story. One of the other situations that really had an impact on me, Roger, was, uh, this is probably eight years ago, I did a meeting here locally and a woman who runs a small property and casualty agency came up to me after the meeting and she said, Ken, where were you five years ago? And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, my husband had a stroke and we had to take out a second mortgage on the house to make modifications. She said we had to put in a, a wheelchair ramp, we had to make bathroom modifications, and then she said one thing that I hadn't thought of, she said we had to widen the doorways because the doorways, were, uh, doorways weren't wide enough to get the wheelchair through. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of stories out there like that and you know one of the challenges is we have to stay focused on what the product does, not what it is, what it what it does for, for our clients. Ken, that's quite an emotional point at which I think we draw our chat to a conclusion. You've given me a fascinating canter through quite a lot of things today. We've talked about the difference between the products in the United States and the United Kingdom. We've talked a little bit about the, the ways that they're recommended, the fact that the sum insureds are smaller, the fact that a lot of this happens through the workplace, and the fact that you haven't gone down the route of the illness race. So thank you so much for that, Ken. And before we go, I always like to finish the um, podcast with a quick fire round of business questions. So Ken, if there was one thing that you would change about the financial services industry in the United States, if someone gave you a magic wand to wave, what would it be? It would be to bring more focus to the protection products. One of the things has been we have been investments are so sexy and it's easy with our advisors to, uh, to accumulate assets, but they're missing the most important part with the protection products, with protecting their clients. They're only doing part of, the, part of what their, their job is when they only do the investments. Ken, what's the one business model, or it could be a product or it could be a campaign that's caught your attention in the last year? Tell us what you liked about it. We have just introduced a new joint whole life product and it basically pays on the first death and it really fits well with um, in our senior in the senior market um, because with our social security retirement plans basically the 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 income drops down when when one of the the couple dies so this helps make up for that so i really like the joint whole life product tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your working life the biggest the, the biggest uh, gadget that's made the biggest thing that's ever happened really um, Bluetooth having Bluetooth in the car uh, <laughs> I am a lot more it's a lot more safer with me driving um, having having Bluetooth because I tend to talk on the phone a lot and what's the best business book you've ever read tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it Roger I'm gonna put a plug in here for my own book of course sales lessons from the masters and essentially it came about because what I found is that sales principles which I learned in this business are like the laws of nature I mean the law of gravity says hey I stand on the building drop a ball off 
it's going to drop to the ground 100% of the time. And sales and success principles are exactly the same way. Um, if it's a principle, it's going to work 100% of the time. So there are some great principles in, in sales lessons from the masters. Fantastic. Ken, before we sign off, I'm sure there are people who might want to get in touch with you after listening to this podcast. So what's the best way that people should connect with you? Is it LinkedIn, your website, email? How should they uh, get in touch? LinkedIn is a is a great is a great way. There's two email addresses where they can find me. One is K S M I T H at A S S U R I T Y. And then the second one is Ken at KenSmithSales.com. Fantastic. Ken, I will give those links in the show notes for this podcast, as well as the link to the Amazon download page for your book in the show notes. And that's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. Ken, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been great to catch up. Let's not leave it another 15 years before we see each other physically in the (laughs) flesh again, as it were. Let me wish you every success for the future and let's catch up again soon. Thank you, Roger. listening to the marketing protection and finance podcast do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash mpaf for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed if you enjoyed the show please leave a review on itunes simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash itunes and leave a review if you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product campaign or business model you'd like to talk about please get in touch you could be the next guest on the show and do remember nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind it's all just thoughts and opinions okay okay